0: I need to start out by surveying the audience. I didn't do this at eight thirty, and um, it kind of came out. I just need to know who I'm talking to. So I'm going to ask you to admit something. It's not that hard to admit. Don't worry. We're not. We don't have like a sin confession booth. That'll be next week. Um, I, I, if you're now, I, I'm going to go ahead and put my cards on the table. I'm 48. I'll be 49 this year, June 24th. I would like a Jeep, a real Jeep, <laughs> four door hard top, just in case you're wondering. Um. But I'm, I'm 48, so how many of you in the room are 40 and over? Just raise your hand. I'm, I'm, okay, yeah, okay, wow, a lot, lot of old people here. It's awesome. No, no, my hand's up, my hand's up too. My, how many are under 40? Raise your hand. You're under 40. Oh, oh, okay. Some of y'all raised your hand on both, and you can't do that. <laughs> like, good Lord. So if you're over 40, you'll totally get this. If you're under 40, you're going to take my, you're gonna have to take my word for it. There once was a time, and, and I hate saying this, but when I was a kid, things were different than they are today. Remember you said you'd never say that, and now you say it to your kids all the time? When I was a kid, you could be sitting in the living room watching television, and how many, how many channels did we have? Three. Yeah, three. And you were the remote control, right? Your dad, change that channel, boy. You're like, you changed it. I didn't say that. I just thought it. Anyway, you'd be sitting in the, in the living room, and you're watching like Walter Cronkite or something like that. You're watching TV. And all of a sudden, you'd hear this at the door. Now, you wouldn't know who it was because we didn't have like an app on our phone where we could look and see. But what would, if somebody knocked on your door when you were a kid, what'd you do? You jumped up. You're excited. Like the whole, like everybody in the family would jump up. <gasps> Company. And everybody would run to the door. Like the dad opens the door. You don't look through. You didn't even look through. Kids are like sliding in their socks like back in the background. And it could be a cousin or a friend or a relative that you haven't seen in weeks, months, maybe even years. And what did you do? You're like, oh, my gosh. And they're like, yeah, we were just in the neighborhood and thought we would stop by. And what did you do? You said, come on in. In fact, if you were having dinner, you'd be like, would you like to eat? Oh, no, we wouldn't want to impose. Which they actually did. Looking back, they totally did. But you're like, no, 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 sit down. And you, they would sit down, and you would talk for an hour or two. You'd tell the same jokes that you told the last time they came by, That's the same thing, and they would be leaving, and you'd be like, oh, my gosh, this was great. Next time I'm in your neighborhood, I'll say, st- oh, my gosh, please do just knock on the door. You're welcome anytime. That's the way it was when I was a kid. Today, if you're sitting in your living room watching television on your 1.2 million channels, right, and you hear, you tell the kid, like you look, you're like, everybody down. Johnny, hit the lights. Johnny, hit the lights. Hit the lights. Tommy, get the numchucks. Get the numchucks. Get the numchucks. We don't know who it is. Get the numchucks. You're looking on your phone at the app trying to figure out who it is. Right? And because today, in today's world, if you're coming by somebody's house to visit, you don't, you don't surprise. What do you do before you go by? Dang straight you call. You're like, hey, 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 I was thinking about coming by. Um, I'm in your driveway. <laughs> All the lights are out. Does Johnny have nunchucks? What is going on? I mean, it's crazy how the world has changed, right? And I was thinking about that in context with the, the church, specifically how it was back then and how it is today. Now, when I say back then, I'm not talking about when I was a kid, I'm talking about like when Jesus started it. Because Jesus started the church. To change the world. That's the reason he started the church. But I think the church, I I think we all drifted into this. I think the church drifted from changing the world to critiquing the world to condemning the world. And unfortunately today, we know what a lot of Christians are against. We don't know what they're for. And I've been a part of that. I've been a part of critiquing. And I've also been a part of condemning. But at the end of the day, I want us as a church and all of us as individuals to be people that can literally step into our identity in Christ and be a part of changing the world instead of critiquing it or condemning it. And the way we do that, the way we do that, I thought I would finish this series up on the table is by talking about five characteristics that I'm hoping and praying that all of us here at Second Chance will have as individuals, and as a church. Five characteristics, and we're going to use the acrostic table, T-A-B-L-E. Y'all see what I did there? That was awesome, wasn't it? That's about as creative as it gets around here. Here we go. Letter T stands for transparency. Transparency. One of the things I love is how often Christians get mad about stuff. And I don't know if you so for me, this is my rule. If the Christian community is mad about a book, I'll read it if they're mad about a movie, I'll go see it because it's good. It's always good. They're always mad at the good stuff. Um, and and, and the, the, the holiday that Christians are the most angry about every year is Halloween. Have you ever heard that? It's devil's holiday. You're celebrating the devil. You're worshiping the devil. Well, I'm, no, I'm not. She's dressed up like a freaking princess. How What? But they get mad at Halloween, right? They get mad at Halloween. They're always mad at Halloween. But then I started thinking, oh, my God. We have Halloween every Sunday in America because people dress up like somebody they're not. Amen. And they go to church. Now, we've all, been, we've all been guilty of it because, listen, if the person next to you knew what you did that time, they probably wouldn't be sitting next to you. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about people in the last service, right? Not, not this service. <laughs> but one of the things, one of the things that we're scared to be in the church is transparent. We're, are, we're afraid to walk in. How was your week? And we're afraid to say, you know what? I had a bad week. I had a panic attack this week. You know what? I drank too much this week. You know what? I took some pills I shouldn't have taken this week. We're, we're afraid. You know what? I looked at something that I shouldn't have looked at this week. We're afraid to say those things because we're afraid that if we're transparent, it gets us kicked out. And all of us have seen or experienced that in a religious setting where when you admit that you're not okay, you get sent away until you get okay. And when you get okay, then you can come back and be a part of who we are. But that's not what Jesus intended when he started the church. And let me set it up this way. Um, this is, I've got a dog. His name is Chance. I love him most of the time. If you got a dog, you're the same way. They're, 95% of the time, you love the dog, and 5% of the time, you're like, I'm, I'm getting rid of this dog. I'm getting rid of the dog. No, know what? I'm getting rid of the kids. I'm getting rid of all y'all. So, but this is Chance. So look at him. He's so cute. Yeah, got a little poofy hair thing going on. He's so cute. Um, so, but about three months ago, we developed a problem. When I say we, I mean he. I'll walk Chance, you know, hour, five or six times a day. And when it rains, I live downtown. And so when it rains, there's no, I mean, there's no cover. So I've got an umbrella. I've got a huge umbrella. Like my umbrella will cover a city block. It's amazing. But about three months ago, for some reason, I still don't know why, Chance opened the umbrella. He literally freaked out. Now, I don't say, "Ah, it's the dumbest thing in the world. He won't get under the umbrella. (laughs) I don't know why. He's never been traumatized by an umbrella. I've never, like put him in the corner with an umbrella and went, that'd be the meanest thing in the world. I don't know where that came from. I've never done that. I've always walked him with the umbrella. He's always walked under the umbrella. He doesn't get wet, but he will not walk under the umbrella now. And then this is the crazy thing. He'll walk ahead of me. He's getting rained on and he looks back at me in judgment. Has your dog ever looked at you and judged you? Your cat judges you all the time, but I'm talking about your dog. He looks at me, and he's pissed at me, and I'm like, bro, have you ever tried to reason with your dog? (laughs) I caught myself talking to him the other day. I'm like, bro, you're choosing not to get under the, like he can understand, like you're choosing not to get under the umbrella. But what's funny is he's scared of the very thing that would actually cover him if he would get under it. It's the same thing with transparency. See, we're scared of it. But if we would actually get under it and be transparent, it, we step out of slavery and into freedom. I just own what's happened to me. I just own what I've done. It's, it's, it's the only way to approach it. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. He, had, he didn't have a clue who I was, which was awesome. And I told him I was a pastor. I said, you should come to my church. And he said, I don't, I don't know if I could come to your church. I was like, really, why not? He goes, well, I'm, I'm out of rehab. I've been clean for like seven months and I'm not sure people like me could, could come to your church. And I looked at him, I was, like, I was like, hey man, hey man, I'm probably the only pastor in the upstate that's actually been to rehab. He looked at me, I was like, straight up. And then I stopped, I said, I'm actually probably the only one that will admit it. Like, I'm just gonna own that. It happened. It's a part of my life. Just be transparent. I love what, what we talked about last week when Peter goes out and he fishes all night and he didn't catch anything. He's cleaning his nest. Jesus comes along and says, hey, can I use your boat? And he uses the boat. Then he tells Peter, put out for a catch. And Peter says, I don't think it'll work, but because you say so, I will. He caught a lot of fish and fish in the boat. Y'all remember that? I just wrapped up last week's sermon in 20 seconds. <laughs> Watch what Peter did. <laughs> Peter saw a chance. Um, Peter... When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Peter got transparent. Don't miss this. Peter's transparency is actually what launched him into ministry. His transparency. I'm a sinful person. And Jesus was like, you know what? I, somebody that's broken... Somebody that's been through some stuff, I can use somebody like that. Jesus didn't go to the temple and try to find the Pharisees because they wouldn't admit they're sinful. They would tell you how perfect they are. But the guy that said, I'm sinful, Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to use you to actually build the church. There's a guy named David, and talk about sin. That dude... That dude. I mean, and how would I mean? We've all sinned, but like the Bible wrote about his sin. Like, how would you like the Bible to write about your sin? Good God, we deal with it on Facebook, but I'm I'm talking about the Bible. And then, and then David said this. He said, "When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long." Do you know that sin can have effect on us physically? It really can. David said it had, and it's affected. I know it's affected me. It's affected some of you, maybe. He goes on to say this, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you. And by the way, confession is not information to God. Confession is not, God, I did this, and God's like, oh, you did it. Confession is when we agree with God that what we did was wrong. That's what confession is. That's all confession is. God, I agree with you. And David said, when I confess all my sin, okay, when I confess all my sin and stop trying to hide my guilt, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. How free would that be? But it only... It only happens if we're transparent. If we're willing to confess our sins to God and confess our sins to one another. And I'm not saying tell everybody. I mean, don't leave here and go to a restaurant. How you doing? Well, you know, I smoked some pot and I looked at naked people online and I just did. I mean, like that go, whoa. <laughs> do you want fries with that? I don't know. I don't even know what to do right now. But there there needs to be a group of people that we can confess to, and you know what? I, I, I mean this with all my heart. I mean this with all my heart. I'm glad you're at second chance today. It really is okay to not be okay here. It really is okay. (laughs) Letter A stands for available. 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 Now, once again, we're going to have to go back to the people over 40, under 40. People over 40, you'll remember at one time in our life, we had one telephone in our house. You remember this? Even the rotary dial. And by the way, how many of you can remember your first landline telephone number anybody okay yeah yeah mine was 803-855-0189 don't call that number today I don't know what it is it's probably something shady all right so don't (laughs) don't call it and I remember like I could be in the house and you have some family over like, like random people in your house doesn't even matter when the phone rang what did everybody do like fights like like fights, brawls, you're throwing people down, you're like knocking, like you're just screaming. Every and, and the, the fight is to get to the phone because when the phone rang, you didn't know who it was. We didn't have caller ID. It's just somebody was calling. This was before telemarketers. And you ran to the phone and like you'd grab it, and everybody stands around, and nobody like everybody holds their breath. They're like, oh, It's for me. Man. And then a little bit later, when you got the second phone in your house, you'd sneak off to the bedroom and pick it up and listen. Put the phone down. I'm not listening. No, that's the way we did it, right? And then, and then a few years later, we got a little bit more technologically savvy. We had a pager. You remember the pager? Like normal people would be walking around, and then they would just be like, what? Oh, hold on. I got a, Somebody's paging me. It's not important. But now, 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 now we have our devices. Now, I'm not cracking on anybody. I'm not cracking on anybody. I'm just saying I deal with this too. Have you ever talked to somebody and you're like opening up to them and you tell them, man, this is what I'm wrestling with? And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hold on. My, um, my prescription's ready. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Keep going, yeah. Mhm, mhm. Oh, did did you know there, there's this impeachment thing going on? Huh? Yeah. So, uh huh. Oh, oh, it's snowing in Greenville. It's snowing in Greenville. Do you want to build a snowman? Like, have you ever been there? And you're like, would you listen to me? And somebody's like, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening. I'm listening. I just hit all kinds of buttons on my phone. I don't even know what it did. So, but what's funny is, is we will say, okay, I'm going to put my, put my device down. But we got it on vibrate and it starts vibrating. And what do we do? We're like, <laughs> we're just available, aren't we? We're like, no, I'm not cracking on that. I'm there too. I'm there too. I'm just saying, what if, what if, what if we were as Available to Jesus as we were our devices. Now, I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad. I'm in that category. I'm as convicted as anybody in the room. Now, some people are like, why in the world would I be available to Jesus? I have no ability. Here's the good news. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. Because if you're available, he will make you able. Period. Period. I love it. I love love what happened to Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah kind of goes into the temple and sees the presence of God and gets absolutely ruined. And then he hears God say, "Um, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. I wonder if anybody would have the courage just to say that prayer in your heart right now to God. Here I am, send me. Me. Because there's a lot of us, and I'm like this. I'm like, well, here I am, but but uh, kinda. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How long do I have to do it? And wait, no no no. This is this is surrender right here. What if we just made ourselves available? God, here I am. You want to use me at work? You want to use me this afternoon? You use me with one of my friends? Here I am. Those kind of people, transparent and available. Change the world. Which leads to the third one. Leads to the third one. Is become. Become. Now, I'm going to talk about this a lot. This will be a lot of sermon illustrations. And then after May, you probably won't hear about it as much. But I'm, I am running a marathon in May. At the end of May, Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to run 26.2 miles. It's going to be the first sticker I get for my car ever. I'm going to have 26.2. I'm going to put it on the back of my truck. I really am. I've never had a bumper sticker on my truck, but I'm putting that right now. It was like 0.0 with a dead guy. But, like, but 26.2. I, and I've had people ask me, did you just wake up one day and just decide to be a runner? No. You don't do that. It's something you become. In fact, I'd given up running for a long time. And about two years ago, I walked into the gym, and I saw somebody on the treadmill running. And how do I say this? I I was in better shape than them, at least in my mind. In my heart, I kind of judged them a little bit. And then I said this. This was my motivation. God can use anything for good. I said, if they can run a mile, because I asked them how far they go. They went a mile. I was like, if they can run a mile, I can run a mile. So that day, I decided I'm going to run a mile. Hadn't ran in years. Bad idea. (laughs) Bad idea. Now, when I say I ran, that's being generous. I kind of walked, jogged. I was going a little bit slower than the mall walkers. Y'all know the mall walkers with the sketchers that'll run you over if you get in their way, right? You, should see, you see somebody with some sketchers on at the mall, <laughs> you better just move. <laughs> if you're wearing sketchers right now. I'm, I totally judged you. I'm sorry. But those shoes aren't going to make you lose weight, okay? These shoes, anyway. After I ran that mile, I woke up the next morning. Did I feel good, yes or no? Yes. No. No. Stuff hurt. <laughs> Stuff hurt I didn't know I had. You know, like I'm walking around like, what'd you do yesterday? Oh, man, I ran a mile. <laughs> Not going to do that again. But now, today, I, today, literally, I could go out and run 10 or 15 miles, no problem. It's something I, I did a mile, then two, then three, then four. It's something that I became. I didn't decide to be a runner. I became a runner. Now, Christianity is not about what we're doing. It's who we're becoming. Because I know a lot of people that do a lot of stuff. Did you know you could do a lot of stuff but not become more like Jesus? I mean, have you met the people? Let's just be honest. Oh, it's about to get real. Can y'all handle this? Can y'all handle this right here? Because they're reading their Bible an hour a day, and they're praying an hour a day, and they're journaling, and they're memorizing scripture, but you get them outside of their little Bible huddle, and they are a jackass to everybody else on the planet. Now, three-fourths of y'all are like, yay, and the other fourth are like, Jesus. And the rest of the like, oh, you should have been here two weeks ago. He really went off. <laughs> but I'm I'm and and people have asked, period, how can you tell if somebody is becoming like Jesus? It's very easy. Jesus said in John 13, People will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. So we can read all the Bible verses and we can memorize all the scripture, but if we treat other people like they're pieces of garbage, that's not like Christ. So, so my goal is for us as individuals and as a church is to, be, to become more like Jesus. Well, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Jesus modeled this for us. Mark said in Mark 1:35, now the day before Jesus had done some incredible ministry work. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So Jesus had a specific time set aside for intentional focus on God. Now, that's, we've got to have that in our life at some point, whatever that is, and it's different for everybody. Some people, it's prayer. Some people, it's reading your Bible. Some people, people it's listening to worship music. It, it doesn't matter, but we've got to intentionally set a time. I don't care how much time it is. I love the fact that Mark didn't tell us how much time. It could be five minutes. It could be 30 minutes, I, 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 but there's got to be an intentional time set aside for us to connect with, with, with Jesus. And, and scripture goes on to say, later Simon and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. You know why? Because everybody had a plan for Jesus. Do you know that everybody has a plan for your life? But Jesus was focused. And so because he was focused, Mark said, but Jesus replied, we must go to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So that he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. He had, he had renewed focus. And as we spend intentional time with God and become more like Jesus and begin to love other people, those kind of people, they change the world. Which leads to letter L, letting go. Of limitations. Do you know that there are too many people in this room that you limit yourself? You limit yourself. How many people right-handed? People right-handed. Yeah, you're raising your right hand. That's good. Good. How many people left-handed? Okay. I'm not going to be fun of you. So take take your strongest hand, whichever hand is strongest. Take your strongest hand. Do this. Put put your hand. Whichever hand's front. Now. I want you to make a fist as tight as you can. Do it. Everybody, right now, do it. Do it. Squeeze it tighter. (laughs) Squeeze it tighter. See what you did? I told you to squeeze your fist as tight as you could, and you thought you had done it. But then I challenged you to squeeze it tighter, and most of you did. And then I challenged you to squeeze it tighter, and most of you did it again. But if you had stopped at the first squeeze, you would have limited yourself. There are too many people in this room. You're limited. And you're limited, don't miss this, by what other people say about you. You're limited by what other people say you can and you cannot do. Hey, can I just tell you from experience, if I let other people tell me what I could and could not do, I would not be on this stage preaching to you today. But at the end of the day, they don't get to define me. God gets to define me. And if God says this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I don't say that. I don't say that so you can cheer me as an example. I'm saying that if God can do that through me, God can do that through you as well. We need to let go of our limitations. You have no idea what you're capable of doing in Christ. I want to prove it to you. Watch this, watch this, watch this. I, love, Paul is, I just saw this two weeks ago for the first time in the Bible. I've been reading the Bible for over two or, three, two, tw- two or three decades, two or three years. Two or three decades, all right? Watch this. Paul said this. I also pray in Ephesians 1, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Stop. That would be awesome if we could just understand the greatness of his power. But he goes on to say this. For us who believe, this is the same pow- mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Okay, so just resurrection power. Raised Christ from the dead. That, that's miraculous. That's awesome. Then he says this. Raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So Jesus is seated at God's right hand. So let's just kind of go through this logically. Is Jesus above all things, yes or no? Yes. Is Jesus all powerful? Yes or no? Does Jesus have all authority? Yes or no? Is Jesus lacking for anything? Yes or no? No. So if that's where Jesus is and he's, he's seated at the right hand of God, then look at what Paul says in the very next chapter about those of us who are in Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 2.6, for he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So if we're gonna say those things about Jesus, that he's above all power and he has all authority and all control, then we're seated with him, then what limits us from stepping into our full potential in Christ? Here's the answer, we limit ourselves because we've let other people define us rather than letting Jesus define us. We've let our past tell us we don't have a future. I have a friend that his kid is you know, five or six years old, horrified of 18 wheelers, tractor trailers. They'd be out on the highway and kids like freaking out. And no, no idea, just like chancing on umbrella, no idea why the kid's scared of trucks. He just scared of trucks. So the dad did an experiment with the kid. He wanted him to see something and took him up on a bridge. They were kind of out and took him on a bridge and they were looking down and there was a road under them and all these big transfer trucks, these tractor trailers were going under the kid. And the kid looked at the dad and the kid came to this realization and said, dad, those things that I'm scared of are under my feet. Do you know that if you're in Christ, The things that you're scared of are under your feet and the only limiting factor on what we can do in Christ is in our own minds what we've listen I will not let anybody else place a label on me because they didn't die for me they didn't redeem me they didn't pay for my sin and if they didn't do those things they don't get to define me and they don't get to define you either Let's let go of our limitations, which leads into the last one, expectation. Now, this has been a shocker all morning, but I'm going to go three for three. I can't stand the Wizard of Oz. No, seriously, it's 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 stupid. Now, my, my daughter, that was her first lead role in a play. She played Dorothy, and I cried when she sang somewhere of the rainbow. I mean, it was awesome. I like I but if you think about it, it's it's it just doesn't make sense. From a logical standpoint, when I got to the end of the movie for the first time, I was pissed. Because <laughs> think about it, okay? Dorothy and she's freaking out and she gets to Toto and runs in the bedroom, and then the tornado takes her to the land of Oz and the house lands on a witch which at that point you're like okay this is kind of bad but but then it was the wicked witch of the east so the wicked witch of the west shows up and what does she want from the wicked witch of the what does she want anybody remember shoes right the slippers and then glinda shows up now glinda's the good witch but at the end of the day when you really figure out what's going on glinda was a crazy something that rhymes with witch all right i won't go there but, but you got it and this is what i think stay with me stay with me don't zone me out. Where did she put the shoes that were on the Wicked Witch of the East? Where did she put the shoes when the Wicked, wicked, wicked Witch of the West, this is not easy, Try to get the shoes? Where did she put them? Dorothy's feet. And Dorothy's like, oh. And Glinda's like, you know, do, do, do. And then, like, she's all happy and everything. And then Dorothy goes through. I mean, God, how would you love that? Follow the yellow brick road. Yeah, it's great. Takes me to a scarecrow, a lion, a tin man. The flying monkeys would have freaked me out like everything. And at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, Glenda shows back up. I guess she had to go hit it before she showed back up. It was calling like I see it. I ain't judging, it's illegal in South Carolina, but she is in Colorado, it was okay, right? <laughs> she shows back up, and what does she tell, Dorothy don't think she can get home, and what does she tell Dorothy? She said, you've had the shoes on all alone, it'll get you home. And I'm thinking, if you're a good witch, why didn't you tell her that when she showed up? She went through the whole play. And she had exactly what she needed to get to where she wanted to go. She just didn't know it. In Christ, right now, we've got exactly what we need to get to where we go. Our problem is, and I didn't say your problem, I said our problem, is a lot of times we don't expect great things to happen. I want a second chance church to be the church when you pull up in the parking lot, you're like, God's going to save somebody today. God's going to set somebody free today. God's going to heal somebody today. God's going to do something in somebody's life today. But not only that, I want you saying, God's going to do something in my life today. God's going to change something in me today. God's going to set me free today. God's going to open up doors for me today. What if we walked around with that expectation rather than, I'm just, a, I'm just a worm. No, you're not. I'll, I'll, this is the reason I love this. Jesus is talking to a church in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 7, and he says this. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. Now, watch this. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. So just, let's just focus on this for a second. What he opens, no one can close. In fact, let's all say that phrase together on three. One, two, three. What he opens, no one can close. God's good. Now hold on to that thought. Hold on to that thought for a minute. How many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I tried it at 8.30 and it didn't work. <laughs> How many of you have a, a day or a season or an event in your life that you hope nobody ever finds out about? That'd be all of us. That'd be all of us. Right? If you grew up in a religious background, that's some scary stuff, isn't it? You remember hearing, God's watching you. God knows what you did last summer. (laughs) And, And the songs that we sing as kids, if you look back, they're creepy. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because the Father up above is looking out of love. And that's not the way we, we, we heard it like, oh, careful us what you see. Careful us what you see. Because the Father up above is like a bug. So we walk around with this thing that God's, God is watching us and He's out to get us, right? So let's imagine we're sitting down at a table with Jesus. And he says, listen, I want to have a talk with you. Now, you don't have to tell Jesus anything about you because he knows everything about you and me. He knows the stuff that we don't want other people to know, that we've only told a limited number of people. And even the limited number of people we told, we didn't even tell them the whole truth. So this is how the conversation starts with Jesus. Let's say you're looking at Jesus. He's looking at you, you're eye to eye, and he says, I know all the things you do, and. Now, if you grew up in a religious background, can we admit that's a scary verse? I know all the things you do, and. And we would expect that to sound like, I know all the things you do, and I'm here to punish you for it. I know all the things you do, and I'm here to judge you for it. Here, I know all the things you do, and I'm here to expose it. I know all the things you do, and I am so disappointed in you. That's not what he says. Remember that thing we talked about, what, what he opens, no one can close? You Remember that? We read that a while ago. Jesus, when he talks to us, he says, I know all the things you do, and... I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Oh, I, I know, that's what he said. I know about the addiction. I know about the habit. I know about that season. I know about that thing. I know, I know about it. And I've opened a door for you. There's an open door for you. What if we walked around with the expectation that God's not mad at us, that he's actually opening doors for us and we've already got what it takes to step through that open door? What if we walked around with the expectation that God wants greater things for us? What if we walked around with the expectation that we don't have to pay for our sins through penance or through putting ourselves through punishment because we understand that Jesus paid for our sins fully on the cross? Did you know we could live in absolute what would happen if we were transparent and available and we became who god wanted us to be and we let go of our limitations and we walked around with expectation my god jesus could use a group of people like that to change the world and the reason i say all that is to say this he don't have just great plans for me he's got great plans for you he's got open doors for you what if you prayed today god change my expectations from horrible things to great things. Let me see you, Jesus, as I need to see you so I will step into who you've called me to be. What could happen? What could be unlocked? What could be unleashed in our lives if we were willing to pray that prayer? I'll tell you what could happen. Darkness would tremble. Darkness would tremble. At the name of Jesus, darkness would tremble. And at the end of the day, what would happen? And that's the kind of people that Jesus transitioned us into. So with that in mind, can we stand for prayer? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we would lay all of our faults and our failures at your feet and just claim the name of Jesus, knowing, Jesus, that your name makes the darkness tremble. Jesus, your name silences the fear that has held us back for far too long. Your name shall not be overcome. Father, may that be our focus over these next few moments.